1: Hello, everyone. My name is Nick Glimsdahl, and I want to welcome you to the Press 1 for Nick podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to David Averin. David is a keynote speaker, a consultant on customer experience and strategy brand development. He's also a five-time author, and his most recent book is titled Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back, uh, which is what we'll talk about most of the time today. David has worked with organizations across, what, 24 countries, I believe. Uh, David, welcome to the podcast. What? I said, and counting. And counting. Thank you. 25 as soon as that next person calls.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I I, I told my wife, I said, I realized I was in Toronto, Canada, and I'm based out of Denver, Colorado, and I'm in Canada. and, um, And she asked me how it went. We were on the phone and I said, it was great. The audience went great. And I said, you know what? I just realized I'm an internationally renowned speaker. Just the fact that somebody in another country liked me, even just one person. I am de facto internationally renowned, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
1: Nice. My my goal now is to find 24 random people in different countries to at least say hi to me, so yeah. I can. Yeah, can I'm known, yeah, I'm
0: known in 24 <laughs> countries. Exactly right. <laughs> Listen, we, we, we play with what we have, Nick. I'm just awesome.
1: I I uh, I'm going to learn a lot from you. I think from this
0: podcast. Right so, back at you. What's going on? Yeah, so the first question I,
1: I have, you know, before we talk about uh, the rant, uh, which is the book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back, uh, how did you get into customer service and customer experience?
0: You know, it was, it was an interesting sort of a journey. I spent 20 years teaching and talking and writing books about marketing and branding. And mm-hmm. How do you stand out in a very competitive marketplace? We're in a kind of an interesting time. Everybody's good, right? If you weren't good, you'd be outed pretty quickly on social media. Yelp and TripAdvisor and Rotten Tomatoes and Glassdoor. It's an interesting time because the internet outs underperformers, right? And so I spent years and years working with organizations, traveling the country, writing books. I wrote, It's Not Who You Know, It's Who Knows You. And I wrote Visibility Marketing. And it was all about how do we describe ourselves in a way that people recognize our differentiation? And what Mm -hmm. I came to recognize in recent years was what we say about ourselves, while, while important, was becoming less and less Um, effective in terms of of differentiating marketing because we're kind of getting numb to the claims of quality and commitment and caring and trust in people and the shift and we've all seen it is that what other people say about you is more important today than what you say about yourself Mm. before you go to a restaurant you're going to go look them up on Yelp or something else right before you you go to a movie you're going to look up the the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes it doesn't mean it's going to drive every decision but what other people say about you is, is so important and the things that they post online are forever and ever and ever. And so that was sort of the, the, uh, the research that I began that led to the book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back, was what are the things that are driving people away? What are the things that we do as business people that are inadvertently frustrating our customers? Because I think everybody's working hard, everybody's trying to be good at what they do, but sometimes in our effort to be structured and predictable um, in process and here's how we're going to do it we are inadvert- inadvertently um, frustrating our customers yeah no
1: absolutely and you know when every time that I, as a consumer I always try to think of it from, from the consumer's perspective right it's great to have uh, technology and process but if the consumer doesn't like it, Uh, That means that they don't like it, which means that they're not going to stand in line, which means that they're not going to buy your products. But anytime that I go look for a product, and let's say the last thing I was looking for was wireless headphones, earbuds, right? Um, I went to Amazon. I started looking at reviews, what people are saying. I'd go to blogs and saying top 10 wireless headphones. And and I'm reviewing people who have reviewed the product, and I have no idea
0: who they are. Yeah, there is no truth detector online. So Nick, you make a great point. However, it's pretty influential, isn't it? Mm-hmm. if there's if you know you've got a hundred choices, you're only really going to consider the top five that combination of great score and and price, right? Because once again, there's such a plethora of options products, services doesn't matter. There's others who do what you do for everybody listening and watching and and there's other great choices, right? Yeah. I was doing another interview when somebody said, which is probably the the easiest question I think on a podcast so your book is called why customers leave Dave. Why do customers leave? You know Here's why they leave because they can. Yeah. Right. I mean, honestly, it's not, and I'm not even suggesting that customer loyalty is dead. It's just a lot harder to earn and a lot harder to keep because it's so easy to leave you. That's right. And in most of us, we just go to the next one because, because we can Here, here's an example. And I think I talked about it in the book. So I, I lived just south of Denver and I was, um, I, I was turning on my sprinklers. I live out in the burbs here in Castle Rock, I turning on my sprinklers for the year. And somebody had gone through with an air, aerators or whatever and broke some of the sprinkler heads and they're shooting mm-hmm. straight up in the air. And I look at it, and I keep saying, I keep telling my wife I'm going to fix it. I'm not going to fix it. So I went on <laughs> Craigslist and I found people that do sprinkler repair. And I called the first one on the list and I got a voicemail. Yep. And said, I'm out working. I'll call you when I get back. Here's the question. Did I, leave a, did I leave a message for him? Not a chance. No, not a chance. We just call the next one. And it's not that he didn't deserve a chance and not that I was being mean. It's just so easy just to call the next one. That's right. It's one of those things. What drives people away? Not being able to get a hold of you. That's
1: right. Right. And that will continue to happen. It's just, just not the sprinkler person, it's the plumber, it's the electrician, it's anybody it's, that you It's you're everything to we do. If we right. can't
0: reach a real person or something or way of getting what we want when we want it, we just go on to the next one because it's just so easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Inside the book,
1: um, yep. one thing that you talk about that, that you break down and, and I kind of mentioned at the very beginning how it is a rant, how you kind of are talking about different stories throughout um, how, what you've done and what you've seen, but it's why things that, you know, one of them is don't be hard to reach. And I just kind of open up the book just real quick, but it's, yeah. it, throughout the, every single chapter, it's why do you do it, why we hate it and a better approach. It makes so much common sense, but why are people not looking at the things and maybe even, uh, you know, looking at what they, they're doing and maybe taking a, a walk or, or run in the customer's shoes and taking right. a look and saying, hey, we could do this better a little bit. Or maybe I'm going to learn from from the person that I called who is the sprinkler sprinkler company, um, and maybe I'm going to find a way to have an answering service or some sort of chat service that is available 24-7.
0: <clears throat> exactly. But there was there was sort of method to the madness in terms of the structure of the book. As I'm writing it, I was realizing early on that it was kind of a rant and the things that kind of frustrate me. But I thought, what's the purpose of writing a book if you just complain about the things that, that are frustrating to customers? Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did at the end of every chapter is I said, here's why you do it. So I sort of let everybody off the hook saying, I understand the business rationale behind your policy, but here's why we hate it, mm-hmm. right? And then, of course, here's a better approach. So it's not only diagnostic, but it's also prescriptive. And um, I mean, it really comes down to this. It's like, why is this getting worse? I mean, Nick, if we've been talking about this for 20 or 30 years, providing good service, everybody gets it. How could it possibly be getting worse? And and I'm going to tell you why. is because there's so much that's out of our control. We can't control the economy. We can't control pandemics or government regulations. We certainly can't control our competitors. Mm -hmm. So as business owners or entrepreneurs, we work really hard to try and control what we can. And if we can design our customer's journey, like here's where they're going to find out about us and research, and then here's how they're going to contact and an order and customize and, and deliver and pay. And if we can have a greater level of predictability of our customer's behavior, right? Then we can have greater level of predictability of revenue and profit. We can budget for that. We can plan. Yeah. Here's the problem. Your customers have never read your employee manual. They don't know how they're supposed to do it. They just know how they want to do it. And sometimes we get a little bit myopic. We kind of turn internally, like here's how it's supposed to happen. And what happens is we get rigid. Like, this is the way we do it. Yeah, well, can I get that? Sorry, no. Sorry, that's not what we do. Like, you get a young woman, she's, she's at the restaurant with her girlfriends, they're having lunch, and she orders a chicken Caesar salad and says to the waiter, can I, get, can I get shrimp instead of chicken? I see you got shrimp on the... Sorry, no substitutions. It's an easy answer. Why? You know why? Because he doesn't want to figure it out. Because the cook doesn't want to do it. And you know who doesn't care what the cook wants to do? Oh yeah, everybody. But we have this knee-jerk reaction, this, sorry, we don't do that. That's right. Well, you know, it's like, well, you don't know, you don't know when when the delivery's gonna show up? Uber knows. Uber, they're exactly right here, they're at this intersection, they're gonna be here in 11 minutes. Why yeah. can't you do that? Now, it's not, not necessarily a fair comparison, but it's the reality today. That's right? your version of Uber,
1: right? You don't have to be the Amazon of your industry. You no. be better than you are today.
0: But you also have to remember, this is, this is the core of my message, is you got to remember that the customers are changing in a really big way. And I've still heard speakers recently who will say, listen, the markets will change and technology changes, but you know what doesn't change? People. And I'm like, are you out of your freaking mind? <laughs> we, we're all like, and I ask audiences, they say, anybody notice that your customers are a little more impatient, a little more demanding than recent years? Because yeah. we all are. You know, we're, we, we just sort of expect, We've always wanted what we want when we want it today, we kind of expect it. And then during the pandemic, we've learned that we can have anything delivered to our house. Yep. How has that changed? It's changed a lot. So those who aren't flexible, once again, we talk about why customers leave. If you are not flexible, if you are not accommodating, you're gonna, you're gonna lose the customer and you're gonna lose the lifetime value of the customer. That's when right. you could have easily said yes to something. You know, it was a little bit extra work, take a little bit. Sure. Cl- customers love that. Love it. Yeah, but but, they, but the, the total lifetime
1: value of that customer is invaluable to the organization. Could but be if, huge. But if the employee is not measured on it, right? If they're not measured or focused on what their customers or yeah. the metric is, then they're going to just put their horse blinders on and, and just do best effort.
0: Because that's it's, it, potentially it, it's a great point. It's a great point. What they do is they do their job because... Mm-hmm. They have a mistaken belief, and this is management's problem, that their job is to do their job. And the reality is their job is to build a business. Let me give you another quick story. So I'm at Chicago O'Hare Airport and I'm on one of the concourses, I'm between flights and I'm having lunch and I'm sitting at the railing at one of these restaurants facing out to the concourse for people watching. And really close to me off to the right is the, the hostess. And so a guy comes up, asks her a question, she shrugs and shakes her head, he leaves in frustration. Next person asks the same question, leaves in frustration, a woman goes up there, she says, no, sorry. Now, what was the question being asked? Now you will not be surprised to learn that it's the number one question asked at airport restaurants. And that question was, do you have a seat next to an electrical outlet? Right? Everybody's gotta charge their stuff. Yeah. So I sat there, they probably lost $800 in business just in the 45 minutes I sat there. Now here's the question though, because to get back to your point about what her job is, do you think she passed that information on to her manager? Not a chance. No, because it's not her job. And here's the thing, and I'm not criticizing her because she was awesome. I watched her because I thought, well, that's an easy out. She was really good. But in her mind, her job was to get people seated, move the tables to, as opposed to building the business. Now, I would assume by this point, they probably wired up all the tables and everything else, certainly mm-hmm. as the airports were closed, whatever, to do that. Yeah. But it is a mindset. And it, the mindset is, is our job is to to please the customer, to, um, to be remarkably easy to do business with. I hear a lot of speakers talk about creating wow moments. That's customer experience today, it's creating wow moments. How many of us have business models that lend themselves to wow moments? Sometimes just being remarkably easy to do business with, just yeah. being able to reach a real person um, simply if you wanted to do so, getting a, an answer to a question, whether it is through a chat bot or an FAQ or something, but easily and simply yeah. Um, instead, we try and drive people to do business to make it easier for our staff. Right, yeah, it comes Crazy. down to,
1: to solving their problem in the least amount of effort possible.
0: Yeah, like, least enough for them. But, yeah. But, but there's an opportunity, isn't it, um, mm-hmm. during any challenging times, during the pandemic and others, to look inward and in saying, how can we sharpen our saw? How can we be better than we were? Can we take a nine step process that we created that makes sense, is profitable, and reduce it to a six step process right because that 's easier for them because sometimes just getting what you want quickly, getting in and out quickly, or the fear of not getting it quickly drives people away
1: yeah well that 's a great transition so in in chapter three, you mentioned there 's a title uh, it 's titled Automation Kills Loyalty," and yeah. we kind of talked about this a little bit prior, but Um, you talk about the importance of balancing the efficiency with the effectiveness. So, right. And I talk about that
0: mostly in terms of communication, Mm -hmm. because people will say, listen, I can send out and you see this with marketing people all the time. I can hit 200,000 people with an email blast. Really?
1: How many of those do you,
0: how many of those do you read? (laughs) How much crap goes into your, your trash or spam? thing every day, but they pat themselves on the back because they look how efficient we were. And I always ask, yeah, but how effective were you? Yeah. You know, the standard response used to be, because I'm old, with direct mail was if you got a 4% response rate, that was profitability at that point. Hmm. They'll get a fraction, a fraction of a fraction of 1%, but they'll say, look, we made $50,000 on the last mailing. And I'm like, and if you had taken the time to actually personalize each one of those to some extent, you could have made $500,000. But all those people are now dismissing you because you were very efficient, but not particularly effective. Once again, mm. that's why customers leave. And and the worst thing is, you know, what? There's that line that says the greatest predictor of future behavior is past behavior, right? So the people who buy from you are the most likely to buy again. So those are the people that we spam with with emails 400 times a day. If you buy something on Overstock.com, you're guaranteed to get five emails a day forever, mm. right? Because somebody says, look, but the analytics said they're the most likely to buy. So those are the people you piss off?
1: In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your client's pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24 7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your client's needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes.
0: Yeah, sorry, I just. I'm- it's, it's, I, I
1: love it. It it's crazy. continues on from the book. It's just a continued rant. I, yeah, I, I, but, I but and what's,
0: what's funny is, is I, I believe all this stuff and my wife. Bless her heart. She is absolutely beautiful and wonderful. And she is the worst sounding board for this stuff because <laughs> nothing bothers her. She just kind of goes with the flow. And I'm the one who complains about, about everything. I, I'm, I'm at Walmart and I've got a shopping cart overfilling with, with food. And they direct me over the manager to, to self-checkout. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't work here. And I'm not trying to be demeaning. <laughs> I'm horrible at it. Like, every because it's what's is... best for them, though. It is what's best for them. When they say, no, 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 Nick, we give people a choice. Really? You have one staff lane with nine carts waiting, and you have 22 mm-hmm. self checkout. It's not a choice. It's social engineering. Yeah. And so one of one of the other chapters in the book is about stop trying to make us do your job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand it's better for them, but what they're not Factoring in is that some point you get so frustrated. I'm just going to go to the other place that doesn't make me do this. Yeah, you know, I'm going through self checkout. I'm horrible, and it just—I mean, there's times I've literally left my food. One time, I and this—I'm so embarrassed by this. But I got home, my wife's like, "Where's? Do you need help bringing in the groceries?" I said, "I don't have any groceries." I thought you might have got groceries. I said, "I did." She says, "Where are they?" I said, "They're at the self checkout at Walmart." And she goes, "Did you leave them there?" I said, "Yeah." Because I got halfway, I got so frustrated. Nobody was there to help me. And I just walked out. Now, I know I'm an idiot. But I'm just like, please, somebody help. I had a little, I had a little gun that, that scans. And these people like, look at me. I'm like shooting everybody with it. Can somebody come help me? But no. <laughs> Did I they know.
1: pay you per hour, per checkout? I don't. I there. didn't
0: get a 1099. I know no, that. Oh, you didn't. From them. But I don't know. It's just, but,
1: but how many people are like you, David? How many people well, are like, en- Enough to affect checkout? their
0: profitability. Enough right. to affect it. Because most customers, unhappy customers, don't complain. They mm-hmm. just don't come back. That's right. Because That's we don't a have to. killer. Right. If you're, if you're at, at, at Disney, you'll pay whatever their prices are for a hamburger because there's nowhere else to go. You're already inside the gates. Yeah. But for the rest of us, this is, if there's a message for, you, for, for your audience as well, business owners, entrepreneurs, just always keep in mind that your customers have choices. Mm. Sometimes the choice is not to buy from anybody. And any point of friction that is along their journey, walk their journey. Pretend you don't know how it's supposed to be. And if there's anything that holds them up, um, many of them are just going to be gone. And, and the greatest source of lost revenue, this is the most important thing I say, the greatest source of lost revenue in your business is the customer you never knew about. Right? right? They, sure. they drove by and they didn't stop. Or they came in, they left because nobody engaged them, or they called on the phone and they didn't want to deal with your HR system and navigate to find when somebody could have actually answered the phone. Or or they went to your website, like you got them to your website. But you didn't provide a phone number. You gave them a contact form. Like the evil, like if there's if there's evil in this world besides Yelp, which is really evil, is <laughs> is a contact form with no phone number. I mean, just give yes. them options. I don't mind chatbots, I don't mind all those things, as long as there's an option for bypassing that if you want. But people's like, oh no, it's great, we'll just have everybody fill out the contact form, and then we'll capture their information so we can mark it later on, or, or hey, even better, we'll ask them some pre-qualifying questions. You know what, I just wanted to talk to somebody. I, I saw a statistic that said 87% of people will not fill out a contact form. 87%. Wow. I mean, at least have a chat feature, at least have something. And people don't leave it. It's the same thing because the, the contact form is voicemail of the internet, right? We talked earlier, we don't leave a message. It's like leaving a message because we don't know if they're going to get back to us. Yeah. There's so much technology. There's so much people, non-people, whatever. Don't make your people wait
1: But because it, it, they, it, they it's won't. You're putting in the right technology for the right reason. Yeah, and, 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 it's a balance. It, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, there's. I heard the the story. Um, quick transition. Heard the story of a of a grandma who, or a a newly a new bride that uh, kept cutting off the ends of the roast of the turkey or of the of the roast and putting in the oven. And and the husband's like, "Why are you doing this?" And she's like, "Well, my grandma always did it. It was what right. best for us, right?" So she kept asking up until she got to the grandma, and the grandma's like, "She's like, grandma, you know, why are you cutting off the ends of the turkey or the, the roast?" And she's like. Because her Cause mom didn't in the pan, right? Oh, I got it, it. The right. Way. And so the, the question I have for you, I think you mentioned it in chapter seven, yeah. is, is why don't, we don't want to do business your way. We want to do business our way, right? It's, it's yeah. so why, why don't customers <laughs> get out of that status quo and kind of look at what they've always done and maybe see if there's a different way?
0: Well, you're, you're asking the right question. The reason why they don't is because what they do works, mm. but it works for them. Yeah. But what they don't realize is, and I'll say, and I say this to audiences, organizations that I work with all the time when I consult is I said, if your policies were created more than 13 years ago, (laughs) understand, I mean, which is essentially when the iPhone came out, right? That we've like, let me think how much we've changed since then. It doesn't mean that every policy or procedure is wrong. Most of them are probably fine. But when you realize what we've gotten used to, because all of us, no matter where you are in business, our greatest role is consumers. We're all consumers. And we're learning to do things differently. And yeah. so just because you have a process that works for you, and it works, if you're Chipotle, it works. Dude, I mean, you line up and you order here and then you customize your burrito and then you pay and you get your drink and you sit down. It makes sense. Right? How many of us have a business model that that's simple? Right? And even they have modified and enhanced and look at the line. And they just keep revising and revising. Mm-hmm. So when I say we don't wanna do business your way, it's sometimes it's what you said is that we've had policies we have just had forever it's just the way we do it but other ones are that whole thing of shifting like i go and bring my luggage at the airport and they you know you here you need to tag your own bag i'm like no you're better you go ahead but well, let me teach you and i'm like i don't want i don't want to learn and i it sounds so elite i just well, you know you don't understand is, i this bag has to get where it's going yeah if i do this one my son was born and they handed me the scissors. Would you like to cut the cord? I'm like, no, I think you have more experience. Thank you. I mean, this is my student. I just met him and I really, really like him. I don't want to cut him right now. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying.
1: Um, but, if, but if you don't like him, you might want to cut him later. Is that what you're but saying?
0: he's actually, he just turned 17 two days ago and, and I want to cut him constantly. But <laughs> but that's a whole other conference. Now, if something happens to him, they're going to go back to this recording. Yeah, right. but didn't you say on a podcast that you were going to hurt your son? No, he's 17. Yeah, and I want to okay. hug him. I want to kiss him, and I want to kill him. Um, <laughs> but, but, but your point is, and I think it's an important one: we get really set in how. Here's how we do it, mm-hmm. and we're that way because it works. Because we designed it, and it really does work. And and I give everybody credit when I when I told you at the end of every chapter, I say, "Here's why you do it." It's to give mm-hmm. businesses credit. Nobody's trying to piss off their customers. We're just mm-hmm. trying to make a living. We're trying. We're trying to do good work. But sometimes the way we used to do things or the way we do things now um, are a bit antiquated in the minds of our customers. And if they cause, I mean, how many businesses are optimized for speed of delivery? Like, honestly, it's probably one of the most important things is that convenience factor and the fact that we don't want to wait. Even when we were talking about going on Amazon or something. And and when I look at multiple, I mean, I always will balance the rating and the price, Mm -hmm. but I also, because I'm Amazon prime, I look at the delivery date. And if one of them can get it to me tomorrow by noon and the other one gets it to me in three days and it's around the same price, it's not even a contest. Yeah. Because I want that instant gratification. Yeah. And so it, it's so actually interesting it because, is important.
1: yeah, it's actually interesting because Amazon is now providing options. So it's saying, Hey, we, you're, you're a prime member. You can get it to, e, to you tomorrow by noon. However, if you want it and, and you're okay with waiting for three days or two days, we'll give you an extra $3 credit.
0: Yeah. And it's smart because, well, what they are is they're customer centric. Mm-hmm. Customer centric says we understand our customers. We're going to talk about, we, we go from product centric, where which is our expertise is in what we do. We're really good and we sell it to as many people as we can. Perfectly legitimate. But when everybody's good, the opportunities today are being more customer centric. And it doesn't mean customer focus, we're all customer focus. But customer centric is the point you made, which is we understand the changing world and lives and demands and pressures and expectations of our customers. And we try and align how we do business and how we deliver it and the speed and the options to how they want to buy it. Hmm. And when we can make that alignment really well, then we've got a really good opportunity of not only surviving, but but surpassing our competitors.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love that. You know, in, in um, I'm thinking of his, it was in chapter 10, I think you talked about, imagine every customer is a first time customer. Yeah. So how do you get your employees to have that perception
0: that well, I think you, I think you I think you asked you asked that exact question. Yeah. What would you do if this was a first time customer? Yeah. Knowing that we we never get a second chance to make a first impression. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we we spend a lot of time on the acquisition part and the servicing part, you know, I mean we put so much effort into getting the new customer and a lot less effort on keeping them or keeping them happy. That's right. But recognize that. There's an old line in business, and we've all heard it before, This is we're fired on the, as, as providers, we're, we're fired on the, the last day of every month, and we're hired on the first day of the next month. Every time they write a check, they're saying, yes, I want to keep doing business with you. And so we think about it, it doesn't have to be B2B or B2C, it doesn't matter, that every time we engage with that customer, they're asking consciously or unconsciously, would I want to do this again? And so if we have that mindset and recognize that our livelihood is dependent on that, we go back to that, that wonderful hostess at the, at the restaurant at the airport. Um, The best way that, that we keep our jobs is to keep our customers really, really happy. And then you get this nonsense from guys like Richard Branson. And I know people could disagree with me. Mm. And he says, listen, you keep, you, you treat your employees right. They're going to treat your customers right. One of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. And I'm not suggesting we don't treat our, we, of course we treat our employees right, but yeah. they don't treat the customers right because they're treated right. Yeah. They treat our customers right because they understand the importance of their customers and the needs of their customers and the buying habits. And right, of course we treat our people well, but it doesn't yeah. just, they're not automatically know how to treat their customers. We have to talk to them. We have to teach them. We have to, we have to train yeah. um, and we have to challenge them because the scenarios are all different nowadays.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. It's always good to hear that buzzword, that buzz phrase, like treat your customers and your, your employees right, and they're going to treat your customers right. But if you actually stop and actually think through that, it doesn't make sense.
0: I've seen some very happy customers because or, or employees because they nothing was asked of them who are horrible with their customers, yeah. but they're really yeah. happy because their manager doesn't hold them accountable.
1: <laughs> I think it's that's just, a good point. You know, one one thing you had mentioned was the importance for employees to own the customer problem. Like you can't yeah. just you can't just you know, sit back and say, well, it's not my problem. Why should I care about it?
0: Or they I transfer can't... them or say it's over and whatever. Don't you love it when you're at a retail place and you ask somebody where something is and they take you there? Mm. Right. None, none of this is rocket surgery, as yep. we like to say. And We've been talking about this for a long time. But, um, but I also push the experience side, which is how do your customers buy from you? How do they learn about you? How do they customize? And how often do we say no? More mm. often than you think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I appreciate that. I, I wrap up every, every podcast with two questions. Yep. Um, so, so no pressure, but uh, the first one is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year?
0: Okay. I'm sensitive question. All right. I like that. Okay. Yep.
1: And then the next one is if you could leave a note to all the customer service and all the customer experience professionals and everybody would hear it, what would it say?
0: Okay. Let's go back. First one. Um, yep. Most influential, um, oh, I could absolutely talk to book about books, but if you say in the last year, you know, the most influential. This sounds so sappy. Is my wife um, is she went back to school and she got her master's at 51 wow. in organizational psychology. Um, I had said to her, and, and we we're, we're newly married, second time around for both of us. I couldn't be happier. And I said, listen, it's your turn. You raise your kids. What do you want to do? And she says, you know, I'd love to go back and get my degree. So she goes back, gets her undergrad degree and her master's. She gets straight A's all the way through. And she got her master's degree in organizational psychology. And talk about influence. The influence was her work ethic and her focus and her appreciation for the opportunity to do something to better herself. I mean, I was in the process of writing this book and I'm literally complaining every day. Oh, and I got like two more chapters I got to get done for my publisher and like. And she goes, I know, honey. And she's quietly cranks out another 20,000 words. <laughs> and so the fact that she just, you know, I'm the guy that, you know, you know, she, she could have some, you know, break nine bones. And she's like, I'm okay. Okay. And I'm like, I got a here. Oh my God. I hurt so bad. Right. I'm the one who, who, who complains about everything. And she just, there's my biggest influence. I think she just, just a great work ethic, appreciating the opportunity to be better. And, uh, and embracing it. So that's the best for me. What was the second question? So the second one is if you
1: could leave a note to all the customer service oh, yeah. professionals and or customer experience or both,
0: what would it say? It would say, um, it would say, get over yourself. <laughs> that you, you you're, I'm sure you're good at what you do, but you haven't created the cure for, for cancer that tastes like chocolate. You're not that good. Um, be willing to question how you do things And because the way you do things isn't the way it needs to be done. It's the way you've done it, probably the way your competitors do it, but you need to challenge your own assumptions that it's the way things should be done. I know this is a really long note, um, but you have to walk your customer's path and ask yourself at every point of contact, I'm gonna leave you with this, ask yourself at every point of contact along your customer's journey, could we do it better or faster or smarter or more intuitively or more simply or more promotably, or with just with less friction. And most things you do are probably great. But there's a few things that could literally change the game.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to to end it. Um, my listeners, you can connect with uh, David Averin, um on Twitter at David Averin, uh on LinkedIn at David Avron, And um, you can also buy his book, Why Customers Leave
0: and How to Win Them Back, his new... It's- everywhere and in lots of languages and and, and i will instagram instagram it's the real david Abern, and that's Ooh. a whole different, whole different catfish so we're there you about
1: go it. that's awesome and i speaking of reviews i will as of today since i've i've read it reviewed it appreciated it uh not just because you're on my podcast we'll give it five stars uh so oh, other, other people will see uh how great it is and leave a comment but uh, awesome. david Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Can I
0: plug one thing real quick? Please, yeah. I have this new initiative that I've been working on for a year and I think it's the most powerful work I've ever done. It's, it's sort of a, a morning huddle initiative that I would love you to take a look at. Um, it's a way to keep the conversation going in your organization every week for a year. And if you go to the website, customerexperienceadvantage.com, okay. take a look at it. I would love to, love to hear what you think about it. customerexperienceadvantage.com. And, and, and um, take, Take 30 seconds and tell
1: us about what that is.
0: Um, what it is, is, is actually, it's an internal engagement initiative. I, I'm a real big believer that some of the best ideas are crowdsourced in your own company. Mm. But, and we all know sometimes we get these gems, these great ideas, but they're always sporadic. But if you put that conversation on the calendar, every week for 20 minutes, we're going to focus only on one new aspect of our customer and how we engage with them and what's changed with them. So I created this done-for-you model It's a seven minute video that I record every week. It's not motivational, it's challenging, it's humorous, but it's meant to spark a conversation. So I create a video every week for that seven minutes long, a little facilitator's guide, and it's meant to discuss internally how do we do things Mm -hmm. and come to a decision. Here's how we're gonna do that in the future. And, And we're already, we launched in January and we're already in Mandarin Chinese, we're already in Hindi, for India and we're in Spanish as well and uh wow. and it's it's the most rewarding work that I've done.
1: It's very cool. The the last thing I wanted to mention uh which we had talked prior uh was how you've transitioned obviously uh to the current circumstances from physical keynotes to virtual keynotes. Talk a yeah. little bit about that if somebody's
0: interested in learning more sure. about what you do. Oh, I appreciate that very much. Uh you know, I'm I'm a keynote speaker I've spoken in 24 countries around the world but of course during the pandemic and then uh, hybrid, whatever afterwards, that some of us, and I know that Nick feels the same, that we've really made a commitment to doing it on a higher level. So we've all kind of turned into trainers to an extent. So I speak and I consult and I do virtual sessions, but I made a commitment to doing it on a higher level. So I built my own virtual presentation studio and it's not about the technology, it's about doing something better than a webinar or Zoom fatigue and, um, and it is there. So look me up on YouTube. There's a video and I, I should have a, probably a better, a better link for that. Actually, I'll give you a link and you can put it on your, uh, when you post this podcast for my, it's two and a half minutes to show what I do virtually. But you're, you're kind to give me the opportunity to promote that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and he will uh, send me the link and I will make sure that it's up and available. Uh, but the title is No More Boring Virtual Meetings. Uh, customer Experience Speaker David Averin Raises the Bar. So um, if for some reason um, uh, the, the link doesn't work, you can at least uh, search it and, and find yeah, it. Or, on or
0: reach out to me. I'm just easy to find a David at com. You can uh, send me an email. I I correspond with people all the time. But but virtual meetings don't have to be boring. And if you, uh, and you want to engage in real conversations with your team, but you don't have the option of doing it, um, bringing people into a different city, um, there's some good opportunities virtually. Great. David, thank you so much for Hey, thank you, bud.
1: Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to press1forNick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.